Happy Friday. And it being a Friday, Joe Biden is on his way to his vacation home in Delaware. Uh, and actually, for the first time, I somehow feel better with this guy in Delaware than hanging around the White House. Uh, I don't know what his issue is. He's definitely got one. And maybe he needs the rest. I mean, who acts this way? This is his last trip to uh, Portland yesterday. You know, the last guy that had this job talked about infrastructure week. Every week he talked about infrastructure week. It didn't come for four years. Well, I gave you infrastructure decade. This is for 10 years. One trillion for a billion dollars. Uh, Joe's given us a lot of things. He hasn't given us any victories, all right? And the yelling, and oh, by the way, you could look, look at that. Look at that. He looks like some sort of mean, what is that, a chipmunk? Who does a speech like that grasping onto the front of the podium? You can look at every president we've ever had. They've never had this kind of pose when they're giving a speech. They use their hands, they make a point, but they don't grasp it like it's uh, some sort of a branch. Very, very strange. Joe made outlandish boasts that are, well, totally untrue. When I got elected, I said, and I meant it, people weren't sure I really meant it, but I said, I want my administration to look like America, to look like America, and it does. There are more women in my administration than men. There are more women in positions of consequence. There are more African-American judges that have been appointed than every other president combined has appointed. Yay! It's false. Uh, big time. Every other president combined. No. Let's look at the facts, please. Black women appointed to the federal bench. He's done it 11 times. Other presidents, 62. All right. Well, 11 is a lot less than than 62. But it's Joe Biden and he can get away with this stuff. Or can he? Now, for some reason, he told this story about President Xi again. I was a Xi Jinping. I've traveled with 17,000 miles of them and spent more time with many other world leader over a total of, I think, and we're up to 90-some hours of talking or meeting together over the last six, seven years. And we were in the foothills of the Tibet, and he asked me, he said, I had a translator, and he had a simultaneous translator. And he said, can you define America for me? This is a true story. He repeats it. I said, yeah, I can, in one word. And he looked at me, and I said, what do you mean, in one word? I said, possibilities. Anything's possible in America. Anything's possible. And that's what we're exactly we're going to do today. Is this supposed to be profound? Uh, it's not. All right. Hung around with President Xi. Can you imagine President Xi having to listen to Joe Biden for 90 hours? He has told the story so many times, too many times. My theory is, and this has been backed up by Miranda Devine and others who have watched President Biden closely, he's actually speaking to potential clients. Yeah, if you want to get close to the Chinese, go see Hunter, all right? Because nobody knows President Xi like me. Look, President Biden is barely holding on. This is the final thing I'll do on uh, President Biden tonight. It is, is this inspiring? Is this leadership? He thinks it is. And that's what we're exactly we're going to do today. Do what we are capable of doing. Stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Get the hell up and take this country back in a way that we lead the world again, because we can do it. We're on the way to doing it. And with the help of your delegation, we're going to get it done. 
I mean it. There's nothing beyond our capacity. He said, get the hell up. Easy there, pal. Get the hell up. What kind of, what kind of rhetoric is this? This is, this is not leadership. This is an angry, decrepit person who should not be in this office. We can all see it. Um, unfortunately, we do have a problem. This will not make it. We know that. Will Kamala, Kamala Harris, we have to talk about Kamala again. You know, she had another high-level departure. This is the highest one yet. Her chief of staff quit after 15 months on the job. Tina Flournoy, uh, she was a political heavyweight. had been around for a long time. This is on top of all the other departures. I think about, what, a dozen or so. They can't stand working with her. She yells. She screams. She's unprepared. She blames everybody else for her problems. Now, who could have seen this one coming, huh? I mean... Look, we've all seen her, right? She does not know how to behave in public. Uh, she's a very strange person in public. What is she like in private? And Joe Biden, what were you thinking, huh? If this were a job interview, the campaign, you pick somebody who mouthed off to you right to your face. Now, granted, she gave you a little bit of wiggle room. I'm gonna now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. So big of her, huh? Oh, yeah, wow. Here she goes. In for the kill, though, now next. So that's where the federal government must step in. That's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because there are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of all people. I supported the ERA from the very beginning when I ran for the 30 seconds. She wasn't ready to be vice president. She certainly isn't ready to be president. And we're hearing, by the way, that the chief of staff who left, she may have been on Kamala's side. You see, the Biden people, uh, there's a faction there. There's all kinds of office politics. Imagine that in politics. They know Kamala isn't ready. They want to get her ready, prepare her for possibly becoming president. She's not playing along. Kamala Harris doesn't want to sit through the tutorials, don't, doesn't want to do the work. And Miss Flournoy was protective of her, may have been pushed out because she was too loyal to Kamala Harris. Hey, who knows? Ever see House of Cards? It's a very strange environment. All right, moving on to, uh, well, speaking of House of Cards, yeah, Kevin McCarthy. Republican, they say, from California, the House Republican leader. I've always had my doubts about him, but now, well, they're confirmed. I'm no fan of the New York Times at all, but some of their reporters have a quite the audio clip of him saying that he was going to tell President Trump to resign. This is before January 20th of 2021, Inauguration Day, and after January 6th. Here he is on the phone with Liz Cheney. Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversation about Pence pardoning anything like that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it, but I don't know. My recommendation would be you should resign. You see that part right there? Oh, yeah. You should resign. What does he say will pass, by the way? He's talking about impeachment. He thinks impeachment will pass. Um, mm, Kevin McCarthy, 
is a swamp snake. He's a career politician and we don't like him. All right. It's, he doesn't belong there. And in a moment of crisis, he wet his pants. Sorry. And he was outflanked by Liz Cheney of all people. Um, I guess there's a question when, when we were talking about the 25th amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? Then he goes along with it. Now we all know how, what we think of Liz Cheney, right? She's saying, will that happen? She's hopeful. And he says, I'm hoping too. I don't think he'll follow the advice, but that's the advice I'm going to give him. Wow. A real tough guy, huh? You know, did he ever have a talk with uh, the Democrat leadership after the summer of Black Lives Matter? Hmm? All right. All that stuff. And he says the president should resign after one riot that may have been facilitated by Democrats. Oh, by the way, when Nancy Pelosi got on her knee and Chuck Schumer, what did he do then? Hmm? Did he have a special conference call and try to bring an end to this insanity? What has he done for Ashley Babbitt? Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed on Capitol Hill, and he hasn't said a word about it as far as I can tell. He's okay with this? I'm not okay with Kevin McCarthy. I'm not. I believe he needs to go. He'll never be speaker. He should never be speaker. Let's try somebody like Matt Gates, somebody with passion, somebody with conviction. What does this guy have? A career in politics. He's been doing it since he was 22 years old. Yeah, he got into the political game at 22. It's not what I did, probably not what you did. Hey, I know we need some people to do that, but we don't like those people and they don't deserve our trust. Clearly he doesn't. And I hope he hasn't fooled Donald Trump. You know, he went down there and he took that famous picture and this was really good for Kevin McCarthy. I love Donald Trump. You know that. I love his policies. I love his style. But he does have a, a soft spot in his heart sometimes for people who apologize or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he's got to get away from this guy fast. Coming up, this woman was hacked to death in her basement. Headline story here in New York, a terrible murder. The suspect here in the country illegally. Yes, we'll be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more and start listening today. All, All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And worse than not getting it, I think they want a race war. They want to exacerbate racial tensions in this country. You heard about what happened a week ago in Grand Rapids, Michigan. This man, uh, well, defied police, was uncooperative, started to fight with police, and wound up getting shot. Um, I believe it was a justified shooting. He started by getting out of the car and arguing with the cop. He could have cooperated. Ultimately, the cop's life was at risk. Here's how things, well, got bad. 
no, no, no. Stop, stop. Put your hands right here. Stop. 1950. Got one running. Stop. We've shown you this earlier. The struggle continues. The guy grabs the stun gun. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. Put your hands right here. Stop. 1950. Got one running. We've shown you this earlier. The struggle continues. The guy grabs the stun gun. Ultimately, he gets shot. And we have played this extensively, and we believe it was a justified shooting. The authorities will make the ultimate determination. But all the media really cares about is portraying this in the worst possible light for the police officer, who, yes, is white, and the man who shot is black. That's the part they seize upon. They can't stop talking about it. Calls for justice after videos show a white police officer killing a black man in Michigan. Newly released video shows a white police officer shooting and killing an unarmed black man. The killing of the unarmed black motorist by a white police officer. 26-year-old Patrick Leoya, a black man who was shot in the head by a white police officer. A 26-year-old black man shot and killed last week by a white police officer. Patrick Leoya, a black man who was shot in the head by a white police officer. Leoya, a black man, was shot in the head by a white police officer. One report actually said it four times in one report in 90 seconds. Black man, white police officer. Why do they do this? It looks like they want riots. It looks like they want us at each other's throats in America. I don't want that. And you know, the arrogance they have, especially these people in their studios who've never walked a beat, who've never been in harm's way, the worst is probably Joe Scarborough, phony baloney Republican congressman and his sidekick, Mika. The officer knew he, 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 he posed no risk. He ran away. The officer had his vehicle. There was somebody inside of his vehicle. Uh, and uh, the officer went running after him. This young man who posed no threat, no risk to this officer but who chased after him, pinned him down, and shot him in the back of the head. No, you're absolutely right. Oh, it was Al Sharpton who was his sidekick uh, there. Uh, who weighs, This is, by the way, to see Al Sharpton on television, for those of us who know him, have seen him for decades, lying, setting up phony racist uh, incidents, this is too much. Listen to what he said. This is as bad as it gets. And what is so burdensome to this family is that this was a fine young man with two children. A fine young man. Mm, none of them have pointed out that this fine young man had a pretty extensive criminal record. Been arrested at least four times. And uh, one of the charges, at least very, very serious this year, assaulting a pregnant woman. That's not part of the story. It undermines the narrative, okay? Innocent black man, white racist cop. Now, why do they want to tell that story? They want this country to blow up. 
That's what I think is going on here. All right. Now, in Washington, D.C., where the Nationals play, the baseball team, they had the Army Golden Knights parachute team uh, slip into the stadium, huh? Kind of cool. I love the Golden Knights. I got to jump with them once. Uh, Not one parachute, but I think three altogether. Really nice. Now, this, of course, would have been coordinated ahead of time. After all, the Capitol is only a couple of blocks away. Yes, the U.S. Capitol building is right there. And that's a sensitive building, right? Uh, You would think that coordination would have been done. Look how close this actually was. We have footage of the airplane uh, right by the Capitol Dome, okay? That's a big deal. Guess what? There was no coordination. The Capitol Hill police evacuated the Capitol building. They saw the airplane. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't coordinate. Have we ever heard of that happening before? Listen to this. Garrett, where was the communication breakdown here? Well, Lester, this was a pre-planned demonstration by the Army's Golden Knights parachute team jumping into the baseball stadium that's really just a few blocks from the Capitol complex. But tonight, the Capitol Police say they weren't given any advance notice of the flight through restricted airspace. No advance notice. What do we have a Capitol Police for if they're not getting advance notice, if they aren't being a bit proactive? There are big problems with that Capitol Police and with the people who are ultimately responsible for it. Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, the two of these guys together. And just the other day before this happened, the Capitol Police, they were boasting about their training. They were flying their helicopters around. Uh, Look at all this fancy equipment we've got. And they tweeted, yes, thank you to all of our federal, state and local partners for participating. You ever notice this, by the way? So much of life these days is putting out, you know, a message on Twitter, PR, not actually doing the work. Did they really talk to their federal, state and local partners? And then this happened two days later. I wonder. Communication and the Capitol Hill Police Department? No, they're not good at it. Who remembers the one helpful thing we got from those January 6 hearings. According to public reporting by the Washington Post, the FBI's Norfolk field office issued a threat report on January 5th that detailed specific calls for violence online in connection with January 6th, including that protesters, quote, be ready to fight, end quote, and quote, go there ready for war, end quote. Did you receive this report? Thank you very much for the question, ma'am. Uh, I actually just in the last 24 hours uh, was uh, informed by the department that they actually had received that report. And so you hadn't seen it yourself? No, ma'am. Mr. Stanger, did you get the report? No. Okay, no. Mr. Irving. Uh, I, I did not. Nope, nobody told us. And nobody told them about the big army flyby uh, that was going to happen right down the block. That department is broken. All right, big time. And what did they focus on instead of this stuff? Listening to the tearful stories of uh, officers Gunnell and uh, Harry Dunn, hear them lecture America about how bad they think President Trump are and Republican members of Congress. And these guys are walking around with a badge. And you know what else they did not fix or address? Ashley Babbitt. I can't wait. I can't wait until we get to the bottom of that case. All right. Here in New York, you may have heard, we had a very, very gruesome murder. A woman was killed, stabbed to death in her basement, allegedly by a guy she knew very well. And uh, the news has been all over the place. 
out of the search for the killer and the gruesome murder of a woman in Queens. Someone stabbed her dozens of times and dumped her body on the side of the road. Disturbing case in Queens. A person was walking by made a gruesome discovery. A woman's body stuffed in a duffel bag. Police say there was a trail of blood from where the bag was found to the mother of two's home. Police arrested a handyman in the murder of a mother of two. 44-year-old David Bonola. Bonola was working as the family's handyman when police believe he began a romantic relationship with the 51-year-old wife and mother of two. Yeah, really kind of sorted stuff, right? Now, the handyman who had been in this country, they say for 20 years, let's take a look at him. We have this report just in. He was here illegally. Yeah, reports indicate that uh, he was not supposed to be in America. Came from Mexico about 20 years ago, but never got around to the paperwork. Was here illegally, reports say. Hmm. All right, also, uh, down in Texas at the Rio Grande, you know the Rio Grande in places is very choppy, is very dangerous. You don't want to swim it. People do. They die all the time. A member of the Texas National Guard jumped in the water, tried to save a drowning migrant woman. That person is believed to have died and the body not yet recovered. Lives are being lost. And lives wouldn't have been lost if we had a different president. It's real a while ago. Can this get any worse, really? Uh, you tell me. This ain't your father's Republican Party. Not, not a joke. All you got to do is look what is being played on, played the, 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 this morning about the tape that was released anyway. <laughs> you know, but they, all, all kidding aside, this is a MAGA party now. It's, you know, you got the, the senator from Texas and others. See, these, these guys are a different breed of cat. They're not like what I served with for so many years. And the people who know better are afraid to act correctly because they know they'll be primary. Um, this guy served with members of the Ku Klux Klan, by the way. Uh, is there anything wrong with MAGA? No, not at all. But how about that stunning political commentary, right? Could you make sense of it? There was more. We now have windmills that the blades in those windmills, 102 yards long. I made it clear to my friends up in uh, Nantucket in that area. I don't want to hear any more about you don't like looking at them. <laughs> They're pretty. There are 300 million people in America and he's the president. Very strange. One more. We set new standards. We slashed methane and brought over 100 nations together when I was at the, at, 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 at the big meeting we had in Europe. Where? All right. Not going to say anything else. Hey, when we come back, we'll be joined by the head of the PBA, the Patrolman's Benevolent Association in Syracuse. You know, they're all over these guys about this. Uh, an eight-year-old who allegedly stole something and was taken to his father by the cops. I don't think it's a big deal. I think they did the right thing. But of course, they're coming down hard on the cops. We'll be right back. Syracuse, New York. That young man being held by the police officer allegedly stole something, maybe a bag of chips, from a convenience store. 
that is against the law. And reportedly, this young man had other interactions with the law. Now, maybe it's not the greatest, happiest picture we've ever seen, but the cops think he stole something. And what did they do? They didn't throw cuffs on him. They didn't throw him in jail. They brought him to his father. Mainstream media, of course, has been overreacting and misreacting. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, I'd like to bring in the uh, president of the Syracuse Police Benevolent Association. His name is Joseph Moran. Sir, welcome uh, to Newsmax. How are you? Mr. Kelly, how are you? Thank you for having me. Great to see you. Listen, we're going to go play the video. We're going to uh, look at the media's reaction. But overall, what are your thoughts tonight about what the media have been saying and what actually really happened? Well, prior to diving into the incident, Mr. Kelly, I think it's important to establish some some context. Uh, my members, the officers in this incident, knew this eight-year-old. They knew his older brothers. Uh, they have responded to a number of police-related call, calls stemming from them, uh, even calls uh, including weapon possession. So my members were very familiar with this eight-year-old and his older brothers. In this specific incident, a larceny was called in from the Dollar General located on Butternut Street. Uh, my members responded. It was determined that these juveniles were involved, uh, this eight-year-old as well. Uh, the officers located these uh, young lads uh, a couple blocks away from the store. They approached them. Uh, my one member, Officer Bahuniak, um, grabbed onto the eight-year-old and escorted him to his police vehicle, secured him, and took him home to his father. And Mr. Kelly, I challenge anyone to find one rule, a regulation, or training component that my members violated. They did exactly what they were trained to do in this incident. They're doing it, however, in a hostile environment. Uh, it looks like not only in Syracuse, but across the country, as you know, so many folks are against the cops. So uh, someone rolls their, you know, cell phone camera. We're going to watch the whole thing. OK, do me a favor, Mr. Moran, uh, Officer Moran, stay with us and let's take a look. Yes, sir. What is y'all doing? What are y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Hey, you're like a baby to me. Why you? Why you? That's what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. I just see you snatching my off the. So what? So what's going on then? You're stealing stuff. If you break into your house, you steal something. Nah, man. What are you selling? A bag of chips? So y'all treating me like a whole cold-blooded killer? Keep walking. All right, keep walking. You can see the guy is. It's got to be hard to do your job. I can't imagine doing any job with somebody filming. Heck, filming me. If somebody was standing over there badgering me while I'm trying to talk to you, that would be a problem. Let's see the let's see the remaining uh, footage. Crazy. How is y'all talking about? That's against, that's against the law. What is y'all doing? Sword, you cannot put that what is y'all doing? Take the you chips. If he stole some chips, I'll pay for them. I'll pay for them. You don't even know where he lives. Y'all just throwing him in the car. That's what they do. They come here. All right. There's the uh, the whole thing. It went viral. Uh, the whole country. Part of it is talking about it. Hey, can I ask you something, though? Um, is there a case to be made against the guy who's yelling and screaming and interfering? It almost seems who's taking the video. Is that interference or uh, what is it called? Uh, it, it blocking administrative police procedure. Is there a case to be made against that guy? 
I would I would say no, borderline at best, uh, Mr. Kelly. Uh, obstructing government administration would potentially be the charge. Individuals have the right to record us on public property, um, and they should have that right. But I think the point of emphasis that needs to be made uh, against this ex-con, Kenneth Jackson, uh, is his demeanor, his behavior. We constantly hear the term de-escalation referenced in the world of policing. Um, it's a term we've heard for quite some time now. I don't think anybody would agree that Mr. Jackson is providing any level of support or is helping or assisting the situation. As a matter of fact, he's escalating the situation and, and causing um, you know more grief for that eight-year-old uh, who was just caught um, stealing property. That's a fascinating point. You're right about that whole de-escalation thing. And of course, the media, uh, they're playing it all against the cops. This is from CBS News. Gail King participating, no less. Take a look. Well, it seems like such a so. teachable moment yeah. that if you had called the parents to the scene, that Perhaps there could have been could a have different been interaction. Yeah. And maybe they attempted that. I mean, I think they should do a thorough review. And if there's a better way to do it, better way to handle it, that should be the new practice. But once again, it's the cell phone that mm -hmm. sort of shines light on how these things happen or bring about questions about possible policies that might. Yeah, it, it, it's hard when you hear the anguish of the child who's clearly yeah. very shaken up and probably maybe a little traumatized by it. You do have to wonder, is there a better way? Because I think, well, not everybody, but many kids have stolen stuff from stores. By the way, everybody at that table, uh, from what I know, is a millionaire and makes uh, more than a million dollars a year. Uh, and there they are telling you how to do your job. Hey, one thing, I hear the uh, police chief has had to resign. Is it in direct uh, uh, response to this? He was forced out. And what are your thoughts on that? It is not. Uh, chief Buckner uh, was in the interview process uh, at Olympia PD out in Washington. Um, so we were somewhat expecting his departure. It was brought to our attention today that he did withdraw his application um, in the interview process. Uh, we don't know the details behind that, uh, but he did effectively resign today. And first, uh, Deputy Chief uh, Chief Cecil is replacing him. He's a man in the community. He's a certified police officer. Okay. He's well respected by the rank and file and from City okay. Hall representatives. So we're really excited Excellent. for his appointment. A final word, and I only got 20 seconds, and I probably should have started this way. How are these cops doing? How are they, especially the guy in the beard who is telling, you know, hey, give us a break here, pal. How are they? I've spoken with my members a number of times. They're obviously very uh, stressed as a result of the um, attention uh, that this incident has, has drawn locally and, and nationally. And quite frankly, Mr. Kelly, I cannot believe that I'm on your show, this national show, having to represent and advocate for them. Police respond to these calls all throughout the country on a daily basis. This is a standard police call for us, unfortunately. And again, we don't like to see eight-year-olds uh, upset uh, for, for any reason. Yeah. Uh, but these members did their job and they did it by the book. We agree. Uh, we covered this because it went viral. And quite frankly, it was response to the media outrage about what happened. And we don't see the problem. We're on your side. We're on the cop side. Joseph Moran, president of the Syracuse Police Benevolent Association. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Take care. All right. All the best. We'll be right back. So you're looking at Dustin Watson. Um, he's there in Washington, D.C., happens to be on January 6th. As you can see, 
He's not involved in much of anything right there. He's just standing by himself. But just being in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, just looking at that rally on the ellipse, not at the Capitol, was enough to get him fired. Yes, indeed. He has spent many years working for the Sacramento schools, and he was essentially given the axe. Now he's fighting to get his job back. Dustin Watson joins us once again. Hello, Mr. Watson. How are you? Hey, great. Thank you for having me. All right. Great to see you. So look, uh, just for the record here, what did you, where were you on January 6th exactly? And what did you do? And what didn't you do? And I'll point out right now, you weren't arrested and you didn't no. break anything. You didn't hurt anybody. And from what we have heard, you were far away from the, you know, the intensity. But please, uh, in your words. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I showed up on January 6th, uh, went to the Ellipse, heard all the speeches that happened that day. And then afterwards, we were all told, everybody just assumed that, hey, he said, we're going to the Capitol. So everybody walked up Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol. And uh, we started heading up there. And as we got up there, I, I immediately knew something wasn't right. One of the things that people don't know is that I used to take eighth grade students there to Washington, D.C. every year for over a decade from uh, the early 2000s through about 2012. And so as we were walking up to the to the Capitol, I knew immediately something isn't right, because as you walk up, every time I've been to the Capitol, you have snipers that are up on the top of the Capitol, if you've ever been there. And then you also see uh, the Capitol Guard throughout the second and third levels. As we're walking up, I didn't see any of that. There was nobody there, no, no Capitol Guards, no police presence at all as people were running up the steps. And I remember looking at my buddies that I was there with, and I said, God, I, that's how you get shot. You run up the stairs. You, you don't run up the stairs like that. Uh, that's that's not that's not smart. I'm not doing that. So I stood in the grass, which I knew we could do because I've been staged there many times. When we used to take our students through the Capitol, we'd be staged in the grass area. I stood in the grass area. I watched what was going on. I looked around me and I told my buddy, I said, I, I, I'm, this is wrong. I don't know what's going on, but this is not this is not normal. I'm getting out of here after about a 15, maybe 20 minutes standing around on the grass there. Uh, he and I left. And that was that was all I did. All right. Uh, so you had a bad feeling and it sounds like you made the right call. Um, the FBI did question you. Yep. The FBI, uh, the, it didn't take long. The Monday after I got home, they knocked on my door and uh, I did a phone interview with them um, for about 30 minutes that day. Um, yeah. And then I, as soon as that was over, I got a call from the school district stating that I was being uh, put on administrative leave. Administrative leave. And by the way, this is the new technology high school. You taught phys ed there? Yeah. PE, physical education and health. Yes. Okay. What reason did they give you for putting you on um, on administrative leave? They said that I violated the uh, the bylaws and um, but which is ridiculous because if you look at the bylaws, I didn't do anything inside of a classroom. I didn't say anything to any students. I, in fact, this is all in my personal time. Uh, we didn't even start school again until the end of January. I believe January 18th or 19th was our next day that I was due back in class. So this happened weeks before and. Uh, I was just a participant just being in Washington, D.C. at the time. Somebody didn't like that and saw a Facebook post and decided that I, I should go. 
Well, you're waging a lawsuit, and uh, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, but I think you got a great case here. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. Uh, sure. Your political views. Let's see. Due to Mr. Watson's political views, the district terminated his employment. Uh, that's uh, that's your case here, and it, it sounds solid. Terminating a government employee for sharing his political affiliation and political viewpoints violates that employee's First Amendment rights to free speech. After being treated like this... Um, do you really want to go back to that school? <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I've moved on. I've, I've uh, I found another job. Luckily, I have a, a great school that I found. It's a little way out of out of Sacramento. It's, take, it's a little bit of a drive, but uh, I'm very happy where I'm at now and uh, don't feel any of the pressure that I used to feel. Congratulations on that. And uh, but let's keep an eye on how this lawsuit unfolds. Uh, Dustin Watson. We well, actually, look, you already have a job. Uh, you don't want to go back there. So what are you looking for? What, what could you possibly get from this lawsuit? Well, I, they did. Uh, they took me out of my uh, teaching position and I was in the process of finishing up my credential. Ah. And so they did, because of that, I missed my last two credential uh, observations and they, I wasn't able to get my credential. And the and the school that I was getting this credential through uh, dropped me from the program. So I, I basically have been set back two years uh, in, in my teaching all right. Sounds like you are entitled to damages, sir. I wish you Thank luck you. and stay in touch. Dustin Watson, all the best, sir. And we'll be right back. I haven't ever told anybody this. I was on a plane and we were going to do a fundraiser and I could have done it. And I thought, you know, that's not right. I, I know this isn't going to go on because Trump's going to have enough votes in the convention. I was really hoping that we would block him and then people would come to their senses. Mm. But when it was over, um, I left. We got off the plane. I went inside the, the uh, FBO and I went behind this building and I cried. I had one cry. And then I went then I went to my daughter's school. And that was really hard. And they had gotten wind of it. And then they came out and gave me a big hug. They got wind that he cried. John Kasich, he didn't have a chance. He came in like 15th place. He wasn't on the verge of getting the nomination. Anyway, I'd like to bring in our panel. We have Christopher Nixon Cox, member of the board of directors of the Nixon Foundation. Of course, the president's uh, grandson and also a CEO of a private equity fund investing in biotech companies. Welcome back. And Craig Shirley, presidential historian, Ronald Reagan expert. First to you, Craig. Um, there have been uh, uh, some politicians who have cried in public, and the, yes. pu the public never really forgave him for it. What do you no. think of uh, uh, Mr. Kasich's confession here? I, 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 I'm not surprised that he would cry. But let's, let's remember the circumstances. He was well behind uh, Donald Trump for the 2016 nomination. There was no chance that he was going to get the nomination anyway. So he was really crying over, wasn't even spilt milk. He was crying over nothing. But he strikes me as kind of a man who cries very easily and likes man hugs and things like that. You know, you know, uh, Ed Muskie, uh, remember Senator Ed Muskie in 1968 famously cried in New Hampshire in front of the Man Manchester Union leader, and that knocked him out of the uh, Democratic presidential uh, nominating contest, even though he was the front runner. Uh, the nomination eventually went to, uh, you know, so, her, uh, Hubert Humphrey. Uh, yeah. So politicians are at the did not stand the test with the voters. They saw them as weak and, uh, and, and vacillating. So my advice to politicians, uh, of course, Richard Nixon, 
uh, also uh, cried 1952, but he got but, back on the ticket. But that was different. You know, he was under extraordinary yes. pressure, extraordinary yes. pressure. And I think the public kind of it humanized him. But hey, listen, we're it running did. out of time. We're going to put that uh, the, the cry baby uh, John Kasich aside for a moment. And I want to show you a picture of Vladimir Putin sitting down with his defense minister, uh, Sergei <laughs> Shamu, I like to call him. There are a lot of weird things going on in this picture. Um, some say that Putin looks sick. The body language is one thing, but uh, there were some strange concessions going on. Christopher Nixon Cox, what do you make of this? What is it and where, where are we right now with Ukraine? Well, I would say the thing that's very interesting about this is Putin seems to be very clenched on the edge of the table with his hand. And I think the reason for that is people are speculating that maybe it's Parkinson's. He doesn't want to show he has a shake in his hand or something like that, show any weakness. Uh, he seems to be very firmly put into that chair. So it seems like he's hiding something, some sort of illness or something like that. That wouldn't surprise me. Of course, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But certainly, I think when you look at where we are with Ukraine, uh, we see that President Putin really wants to push this offensive. He's desperate for a win. He's desperate to show some sort of strength. And I think a lot of people around the world are even questioning whether he's lost his mind and have done this in the beginning. So I think that when you put everything together, sort of looks like he might have a health issue. He might not be all there. And that might have led to him going into Ukraine. And he may have made a huge blunder that he really wasn't even aware that he was making at the time for whatever reason. And maybe it's a health reason. Understand. Hey, uh, Craig, you've seen Joe Biden before. I always yes. wanted to ask you this. Would Putin have invaded if Donald Trump were still in the White no. House? A lot of people. No, not. Definitely no, not. Definitely not. He would not have invaded if Ronald Reagan was in the White House. He would not have invaded if Donald Trump was in the White House. He read Donald. He read uh, 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 Biden for being a weak man. Of course, we know that he is a weak man, and he thought he could take advantage of him. Uh, on, the, on this issue, by the way, of politicians being ill in, in wartime, you know, Woodrow Wilson was left uh, after World War One, left the White House a broken man. FDR died at the end of World War Two. Uh, from the strain and stress of World War II. And Lyndon Johnson also left the uh, White House a broken man after uh, Vietnam War. So war yeah. does take a lot of stress on political leaders, whether they're good guys or bad guys. I apologize for the limited time. Uh, thank you so much. Craig Shirley uh, to be continued and Christopher Nixon Cox to be continued. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Have a great weekend. Hey, and start it with Stinchfield. He's next. All the best.